This is Bucks and Bolts with Casey Hudson. What's going on, hockey fans? Welcome to Pucks and Bolts, an Odyssey original podcast analyzing the Tampa Bay Lightning in their quest to further cement this team as a dynasty and Tampa Bay as a hockey town. Pucks and Bolts will bring you in-depth insight of players, practices, games, and so much more. So what's the best way to stay up to date on all of the excitement surrounding your favorite team? That's downloading the Odyssey app, searching Pucks and Bolts, hitting the auto-download button so that all those brand new episodes are just sitting there waiting for you to listen, share with friends, family, and other hockey fans around because who does not want to talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning, especially at this point in the season heading towards playoffs. I'm your host, Casey Hudson, joined by the legendary broadcast voice, Paul Kennedy. Paul, thank you so much for joining me to chat about your career. We'll talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning and so much more. How are you? Are you getting a little bit of a break now that the guys are on the road? Yeah, a little bit. Our studio show keep keep very busy, but... uh... We came through the All-Star weekend, and it coincided with Tampa Bay's break, Casey, uh, their week vacation. So they are ready for the final push. Uh, they have played 52, 30 to go in the run-up to April, and hopefully, knock on wood, another deep playoff run. I know. I'm feeling good about it, but you and I will get into that in a little bit. For starters, seeing as how you are such a legendary broadcast voice, um, I heard something the other day actually about your dad being in the military, which makes you a fellow military brat. And I was like, I have to ask Paul about this. What branch was your father in or mother in? The Air Force. Both my parents were in the Air Force. My dad did 28 years. My mom did six. (laughs) She didn't really last as long. Um, But I had that military brat experience. And when I heard that, I was like, I have to ask Paul about this because I personally feel like being a military brat played into me being such a communicative person, loving to engage with people, loving to talk with them, sit down, learn their story, learn their history. Um, How did that play out for you? What was your experience like as a military brat? Well, that's extraordinary that you would say that. I'm I'm thrilled to hear that. You're absolutely right. Uh, We lived, my father came out of the generation of the Second World War, and so he was involved in that. That took him around the world, took him to Japan at the end of the the war, took him to Korea. Uh, I was born when he returned from Korea, um, met and married my mom. And then he took us back as a family to Japan. And I lived five years in Tokyo. Uh, He was stationed over there, Tachikawa. And and then at the Pentagon, uh, we lived every three or four or five years moving. And it exposed you to so many people. The advantage of this is were rather remarkable, and you're right. Um, and so the 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 uh, experience of cultures, the experience of meeting brilliant people, about uh, being around aviation, and mm-hmm. was was wonderful. And uh, and then my I can remember on Armed Forces Radio uh, every night that we say and we welcome the men and women listening worldwide on Armed Forces or watching on Armed Forces Radio. It's near and dear to my heart because I was on the other end of that in, in Japan and in other duty stations, and we would listen as a father and the son. And then in D.C. when we moved there, uh, we we watched and listened to Redskin games and baseball games and NFL games, hockey games, and it was my exposure to sport with him. But I think in large measure, uh, it came from his experience and me being like you, an Air Force brat. Did where did you live in the states, Casey? Where did you you live in oh, the, in the states around the world? 
I love to tell people that my family gave me the tour of Florida because we started in Homestead Air Force Base and worked all yeah. the way up to Tyndall Air Force Base. But I mean, we yeah. stopped all the way along the way, um, Patrick Air Force Base. So, so Patrick, many places yeah. in Florida. Yes, we did Patrick. We did Tyndall Air Force. We did Homestead, uh, Fort Walton Beach. I don't remember the the base name there. I was about maybe two when we were in Fort Walton Beach. Okay. Uh, but yeah, the tour of Florida is what I got. Now my sisters got Frankfurt, Germany. Right. Well, I was in NFL Europe. Wiesbaden was there. Wiesbaden mm -hmm. was there. When we were in NFL Europe working with the National Football League and televising their spring leagues um, some time ago, we would go to the Wiesbaden stations. There were so many military, Air Force and Army there, but we liked living in Frankfurt. Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, McDill Air Force Base, of course, in Tampa, yes. is both McDill and the coalition in the war on terrorism. And they have a wonderful relationship with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Their officers, mm -hmm. the men and women there. And in fact, when the, the Frozen Four College Football's Championship Weekend will be uh, college hockey's championship weekend will be held in Tampa again this year for the third time. April. And uh, I want to say in 16, when it was here, the uh, maybe a little earlier, we presented uh, at McDill the Hobie Baker Award to the most outstanding college player in hockey. And we did it at McDill and McDill hosted the event because Hobie Baker in World War I was a the first celebrity hockey player in America, played at Princeton, was an All-American, was an All-American football player at Hobie Baker. In fact, the Princeton Arena is named after Hobie Baker and then was an aviator in World War I flying biplanes. And he shot down uh, three German aircraft in the war and then crashed just before he was to return to the States at the conclusion of the war and lost his life. And yeah. uh, Captain Hobie Baker, but he never received from the French government the Croix de Guerre uh, that, that he had qualified for in being heroic in World War I. So the French government, in conjunction with uh, MacDill Air Force Base, uh, General Carl Horst, General Chip Deal, the, the former uh, generals there, uh, with Admiral Martin of France, they went to the president of France and he signed the order. They researched the order. Had he ever received the medal? He had not. They flew down. Long story is about to conclude. They flew down with <laughs> um, great-great-nephew and we presented to the family in a military ceremony on MacDill the Croix de Guerre from the government of France to Hobie Baker's family. And it was televised on the NHL network at the Frozen Force. So that is how the wow. military and hockey for me and McDill and the Lightning all came together. And it's very special to me. That medal is on display at the Minnesota Wilds Arena, home of the Hobie Baker Award, which is the Twin City. So that's it. I love that that's story. That's fantastic. Yeah, my father's buried in Arlington now, Arlington National Cemetery. But I think he'd be proud that we were made that we made that happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad that you explained that tie of how hockey and the military can be hand in hand. Because as you said, with your experience, cultural communication, all of that, you learn so much as a military sure. guy. And You're that's team. yeah, exactly. You understand so much of that grit and um, and and uh, you know. 
I don't want to say hustle, but character is a great way to put that. Well, Sonia Bryce, the, one of the loudest guaranteed ovations in mm -hmm. Amelie Arena every night. It's been sold out well over 300 consecutive nights. Consider that yes. 19,300 consecutive nights. Extraordinary. But one of the loudest ovations. And when they say, and now, ladies and gentlemen, if you'd please stand uh, and loud and proud with retired technical sergeant Sonia Bryson. Yes. Playing singing of our national anthem. And for her, as her face is shown on the Jumbotron, wonderful lady, uh, the arena roars. The players tap oh, yeah. their sense of attention on the ice. They love her. And uh, she's inspiring and a good friend. And But she's military and has made Tampa her. Yeah. Yeah, At absolutely. There we go. <laughs> Another Air Force one. Um, but I, with you painting that picture of where, you know, military can kind of correlate with hockey and stuff like that. It's funny because when my dad got based in certain areas where there wasn't much going on, they would always put me in whatever sport was active at that moment. So that's where sports became so crucial for me because it's like whatever's in session you're playing. So, I mean, volleyball, soccer, um, figure skating, which is where I first got into hockey at eight years old because I'm like, what is this thing that people are doing on the ice? And it made me have such a large appreciation for the athleticism. Um, but having right. that as your background and preparing for gigs, such large gigs in hockey, how do you kind of apply that background to your preparation for broadcasting and for covering the well, NHL? Like reading too. Well, it's interesting you say that. My father also said, last comment here, I said, Dad, what's your favorite sport? And he said exactly, Casey, like you just said, whatever sport's in season, I'm enthralled by it. Yeah. If it's bottom in football, hockey in winter, uh, I did the NBA for 30 years. Uh, Major League Baseball, enjoy doing Major League Baseball. Um, and the thrill of that, I've done, um, expo I, I've always found people's stories. If they're equestrians, and I'm, I've been fortunate to televise the world championships in that sport or in golf and others, they're motivated by wanting to compete and wanting to be like you and I, getting the very best you could be. We had an adage at Fox and now at Bally Sports, everybody has a story. Everyone has a backstory. Who are they? Where are they coming from? And what is their ambition? And so in preparing for, if it's the Olympic Games or an NHL game, you can see them going up and down the ice, but you want to tell me about that individual. Tell me about him and what makes him tick. Where's Kucherov from? Vasilevsky from? Braden Point from? Uh, Victor Hedman from Sweden? I've always found the the backstories on these people, John Cooper from British Columbia and his path going to law school. I've, I've found that to be just as impactful to me and um, inspiring to me, motivating to me to find that out as who on a stat sheet has the most goals, played in the most games, made the most saves, has the most block shots. Yes, absolutely. And I feel like that story sometimes isn't told enough. Uh, we get so caught up in the statistics rather than, you know, from point A to point B. And that is something that I was talking to Pat about when it came to his 700 game celebration last week. And, you know, he kind of mentioned that it snuck up on him. He did five years in the minors. And if you would have asked him this question a while ago, he may have not really realized that he would hit 700 games in the How NHL. That? How about that? Right. Yeah. And 
it's so beautiful to think that there's so many different journeys in this sport. And I don't think that that's talked about enough in hockey because you've got juniors, you've got minors, you've got the college route, the guys that choose to go to college versus doing juniors, you know, their route to the NHL or the greatest, most Uh accomplished player uh, now in the hockey hall of fame, Marty St. Louis uh, did not play juniors undersized. Uh, His father was a postman in Montreal. He received a college scholarship to Vermont, just across the border, went there, was not drafted, plays in the minor, signs free agent contracts again and again and again. It's it's a remarkable story. And and he's a Hockey Hall of Famer. And Mm -hmm. uh, his number hangs in the rafters. I saw Pat went to see his son when the team went through St. Louis opened up a Western right. swing, beat the blues. He took uh, three of his teammates and they went to see his son play. He, he rarely gets to see his son play. They went to see his son play. And then Braden Point addressed their team. And you can find this online or with Pat's uh, Twitter page um, with his, what Braden Point said to them, I wasn't the biggest guy. But when others would not practice, I would practice. When they were going out, I was not. I was always working. They go on vacation. I went to the ice and I just refused to let anybody tell me no. It sounds at times like it's quite trite, but how many times in your life were, were some, did someone tell you no? Or how many times did someone say, Paul, you, you know, we, we're going to hire someone else and do this other job. You just never, what's the Churchill speech, which is one of my favorites. Never, ever, 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 ever give up. Don't right. quit. There's a gentleman, and his name escapes me. I should know it off the top of my head. Pitchers and catchers are reporting in Major League Baseball this week, right? Major mm-hmm. League Baseball is gearing up. Um, the new member of the Oakland A's radio team, right? Mm-hmm. He's made it to the big leagues this year. They've just hired him. An overnight says he has spent the last 30 years broadcasting minor league baseball. On radio. Wow. Years. He refused to give up the dream. He refused that the Falcon heard the Falconer. He kept Mm -hmm. going. And finally, the phone rings. And I think it's an enriching story. Guys that have played 10 years in the minors and they finally get the phone call, they get in the show, regardless of the sport. I think that is, um, it's Disney esque. And it inspired yes. people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I can relate to that so much just because trying to find my footing in this career and in this industry, you have so many moments where you're like, okay, do you pivot? Do you go to the next best thing? And then it's like, no, but this is what puts a smile on my face. Even on the hardest day, once I get to the arena, I love it. Um, my passion drives through it. What so, do you like most about exactly. it? Exactly. What, what do you like most about it? Do you... <clears throat> Do you, do you like the, the study? Do you like the people, the, the adrenaline rush of, of communicating and being on camera? What, what gives you the motivation to do this again tomorrow? Two key things, the adrenaline. Um, I do love the adrenaline rush of doing so much research and making sure that yeah. I can apply it in that moment. Because as you probably know, you look over so much information and you have to have the wherewithal in the moment of two minutes to get that information out, to know which information is going to hit. 
um, to know how to connect an audience with the information that you're putting out there. So that adrenaline rush, knowing that you're doing a good job at that, that's that's such a feeling that's unexplainable. Um, I've got a chance to sub in for JP Peterson in the in-studio host for The Lightning. And the first time doing that, having Steven in my ear and him getting <laughs> information to me while I've studied, you know, for a whole week for that moment. And also having the teleprompter in front of me, having these three different things that I need to pull all together to give one delivery. There's an excitement to that for one. So the adrenaline has to be the first one. There's the next one for me has cool. to be, yeah. there is. And then you have to make it your own. You know, my process isn't going to be everybody else's process. And it's kind of teaching you to, to trust your uniqueness and trust yourself. So you, there's a lot of self-learning in this industry if you're open to it. Um, and I just, I have so much appreciation for the sport itself. When I first discovered hockey, like I said, my parents threw me in figure skating. I had been an elite gymnast and soccer player my whole life. So the skating thing was just crazy to me. But the dedication, you did gymnastics? the athleticism. You did, you did gymnastics? Yeah. Oh, I did boy. gymnastics for 15 years. Yeah. That is and tough. gymnasts that is, have that is kind of a similar tough. dynamic to hockey because once you hit a certain age, they're like, okay, are you looking to do Olympics? If so, these are your route options. So I feel like I understand hockey on another level because with my dad traveling to Korea, my mom was a working woman. She did real estate and finance um, for a development company in Miami with having two parents that were actively busy and me being on such an elite gymnastics route by 10 years old. They're like, do you want to live with a host family in Utah or, you know, what are, what are your plans here? And you have to make such life decisions the minute that you hit double digits. And that's something else that that plays in for hockey. No one realizes that these boys have to turn into men by 10, 11, 12, 13 years old because they're getting ready to go away from their families for long periods of time to start working towards this dream that they have no full security you know, that will 14, pan out. 15 years, what do you do? Do you leave mm -hmm. home? Do you stay? Do you go build it with the family? And all there's the great majority of these uh, men have done that. Or if you're living in Russia, Sweden, Germany, the Czech Republic, Finland. Do you come to America as a 15, 16 year old and play junior? Knowing no English. What? Exactly. Knowing Nikita Kucherov came from Russia to Quebec and didn't speak a word of French, much less English, but he's going Russian, France, French. Mm -hmm. How does he communicate? He's a, he's a teenager. And then to learn English. So I find it astonishing the intellectual capacity of these men and self reliance yes. and bravery. And they're just the tip of the uh, pyramid here that has uh, risen that high. Absolutely. And that's the other reason why I fell in love with the sport. I just have such a genuine respect for the journeys that I still feel like aren't talked about as much, but in some ways I can relate. I can understand it. And I'm sure you can. I mean, I went to a different elementary school for every single grade. That's how quickly we you did constantly not. transit. Did you really? I swear. Yeah. Can you every name single grade. I can name. I can. can name all their names. I, I can do the elementary school teachers because they had such an impact on your life. I went to a I can few do the schools. <laughs> Really? Um, ten, yeah, Tyndall Elementary, Southwood Elementary, uh, Lutz Elementary, Lowry Elementary, and uh, I'm forgetting. Is one through six that you were going to? Like, I can remember 
you know, Mrs. Robinson, Brother Allen, Mr. Galash, Brother Allen again, Mrs. Hanson, Mrs. Ferguson, one through six. I I can do that, but I can't remember high school or college, many of my yeah. high school or college teachers because of the disproportionate impact they'd have on a 10-year-old. Um, right. So. And at that point, you're just, you're, you're moving at such a pace. So yeah, that's, that's a lot of the things that draw me to hockey and, and draw me to all of this, but um, kind of touching I back find, on the lightning, I, as I you mentioned. Hockey too, hockey too seems to me, especially in this current generation of the NHL, and I've been fortunate to be with Coach Coach Bowden, um, Ray Perkins at Alabama, George McIntyre at Vanderbilt, Dal Sheely at Richmond, um, Coach Shula in Miami, Coach Dungy in Tampa. Just trying to think here, but and then doing other national programs, college programs for Fox. But having done the the NFL, Major League Baseball for the Marlins primarily when they started. Uh, the NBA for the Magic, I find that the NHL is the last bastion of chivalry that exists in professional sports. It is mm -hmm. still to this day noble and yep. um, old school character. The men wearing symbolically, you know, you can go on Twitter and see it every night or Instagram if you want a fashion show every night is these guys arrive at the men arrive at the rink. Coats and ties to and from the rink on game night, being interviewed during the game, uh, kind to children and viciously competitive when we drop the puck because it's self-reliance as they've experienced since they were 10 years of moving away from home. There's nowhere to yes. hide. You either can or you cannot. So there is no false bravado. There is no body maintenance and of the of the leagues in the nfl it's extraordinarily demanding to the national league because you start in july and you finish in february but of the leagues they are the best conditioned athletes i have found because they do this yes. 82 times as many times as the nba plays and i have yep. there is just so much to admire <laughs> In, in these men. And you can tell that I, at times I'm in awe of, of what they do for a living. 